three, two, one. All right. Welcome, everybody, to After Further Review. John Pelkey, Mark Ferrer, our producer, Jeff Taylor. That was the voice you heard say, eh, music's not working, but you're live. And uh, we are live on the YouTube. Anybody who's watching, hello, as my hair gets more and more unruly. Um, happy I July. Didn't, I didn't promo this. What's that? You didn't promo? Well, don't. That's okay, Mark. It's all right. Don't don't start. I'm sure both of us will do much worse things throughout this show than not have, having promoted it. But happy July to everybody. It's my favorite month. It is. Of course it is, because it's your birthday month and your wife's birthday month. And we it already is. have a we already have a, a celebratory post aimed in your direction, John Pelkey. Wow, I haven't seen I have not seen the celebratory post. Uh, Jeff, but, Jeff will put it up on the big screen shortly. There oh, it is. Hey, Look Tom Marino. All right. Very nice, Tom. Well, thank you. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Yes, tomorrow I turn. And that's none of your fucking business, to be quite frank to any of you. How, how old I am at this point. You, you can all still, guess. You're still in your mid-50s. I am. you're still in your mid-50s. Yes, I peaked in the mid-50s, frankly. I've, I've hit the peak of mid-50, and I'm headed down on the downside. But that's okay. Uh, I'm happy. I'm not as happy as Bobby Bonilla is today. Because once again, decade after he played his last game for the New York Mets, they're going to pay him over a million dollars today. And that's something we'll talk about in our potpourri segment. But uh, first of all, for you guys, uh, what's happening? Anything you want to share with me before we dive in to the hardcore statistical analysis that is after further review? Yeah, before we uh, break down the up, up upside, inside the up the down, down low, <laughs> before we break all that down, uh, yeah, I'm still in Vermont. Went to New Hampshire yesterday just to get another clearly live free, live free or die, and. And uh, re- really, the whole time I've been thinking about the live free or die was always you better live free or you'll die. That's yeah. what I explained in the last show. And Jeff was, you know, very, very poignantly, very, very soberly said, Mark, I think it's about people that want that would rather live free or die. It's the Patrick Henry thing, you know, uh, give me liberty or give me death. It, it's that kind of thing. And that's what all my, you know, my kids said that as we were going there. Neil Candelora, the uh, my, my daughter's significant other. Um, son of Joe Candelora, former uh, partner of ours at the ESPN club. They all said, yeah, it's just the Patrick Henry thing, Dad. It's not It's not a, a series of snipers put on buildings, and if you haven't lived free enough in that second, they're going to take, take you out. But uh, we had a great time. It's a lovely so that's, state. So that's, so that's what they to told Hanover. you. That's what they told you. That's, that's what they passed along to you. Okay. In, yeah. the, in the days of fake news, hopefully they are and, not wrong. And Trump wasn't briefed, so please continue. <laughs> I I wanted to before you get going say that your face says thirty five all the way, but your hair color definitely says mid fifties. So. Yeah, and it started it started heading that direction much earlier. So you went to Hanover, home of Dartmouth University, the smallest of the Ivy League schools, Mark. But um, but a lovely campus. Yes, it is, beautiful. and a, a lovely little college town surrounding it. And um, we had a great time, and we, we came back. So now I only have three states in the contiguous U.S., John Pelkey, that I have not uh, visited. That's Idaho. I was going to say Idaho. I was going to guess. North Dakota. Guess. Uh-huh. And Maine. Well, you're wow. right there. Go hit Maine. Yeah. Uh, Go get Maine. Maine's beautiful. Pretty close to Maine. And then, of course, uh, I've been to Alaska, not Hawaii, though. 
Ah, okay. As have I. So, but I haven't hit, I think I'm at uh, 30 some states. I haven't traveled like you have. And I've, the flyover states I'm really bad about. I do count if I've been in the airports. Um, right. But, if, uh, if you've been to Des Moines Airport. Right. Which I've you not. Could count, you could count Iowa if you'd like, or, or, uh, you know, maybe the Hayes, Kansas airport. You could count Kansas. <laughs> Both major hubs that you've definitely laid over in. <laughs> not not at all. No, you no, I missed out on Iowa, I believe Kansas, Idaho, like very many people. Uh, that's that's probably a what do you, what do you, is that the least visited state, Idaho or North Dakota? I, I don't know. We need to find that out. That's a tough one because uh you know, Idaho, uh, North Dakota's borders on Minnesota and Idaho on the on the west borders on Washington. Those are relatively populous states. Right. Uh, I, I would think Idaho seems to be the place where everyone uh, ends up uh, going where they want to get away from everything. Every Hollywood star that wants to get away from life, uh, they, they go to Idaho. And it's nothing no but Hollywood stars and militia. That's all there is in Idaho. Hollywood stars and militia. Which is a unique partnership, which is a yeah. unique, unique collaboration. Natural and, enemies, um, really. They, they, they really are. But if they were ever, ever to somehow align themselves with each other, <laughs> stay out of the way. I mean, yeah, stay out of, of the course. way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, you're back in the uh, Orlando area. Any, any, any uh, wisdom to impart after having vacationed in a, uh, in a pandemic? Uh, wear your mask. Mm. Because, Fair enough. Because I'm not going to. Yep. Yeah, well, there it is. All right. Okay. Because, you know, I and ran. Yay me. Fuck everybody else. So, all no, right. No, moving on. No. <laughs> I mean, that really is. That really is. Ran. That is. Tell me I'm wrong. She, she, she is the, she is the, uh, the godmother of uh, libertarianism. Yes, I know. Would you consider, I, would you consider her a one hit wonder? Uh, no, I mean, uh, Atlas Shrugged, the Fountainhead were both, I think, pretty successful. And, and she started a movement, albeit an incredibly dangerous and uh, hurtful movement. Uh, but OK, sure. Whatever. Yeah, no, she's she's not a one hit wonder. Ayn Rand, not a one hit wonder, just a bad person. All right. Let's uh, let's jump into uh, into what we want to uh, jump into here initially uh, with a progressive trivia. But uh, just to just to preview this, folks, uh, a lot to talk about. Um, sports opening up, questions now popping up, I think, uh, as, as much as, as any time when we've been discussing this with uh, the NBA here in Central Florida and the number of cases going up. Uh, baseball players are starting to opt out of the season, including some very big names. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's in the air. Uh, Tom Brady yeah. is, is being snarky with Julian Edelman on – on uh, Twitter, uh, oh, <laughs> wow! See now, let, can I I'm gonna def- defend myself? Because uh, because a man who uh, is responsible for whether or not I ever work in my chosen field again, it just said, I do. I, in truth, I don't like to be the center of attention. Mark, you know that to be the case. That is merely a construct to protect me from the from the fragile glass house that my ego resides in. I really don't want to be the center of attention. Mark, no, it, please it, tell Matthew what I really want out of life. Well, I'll tell you, Matthew, what, what John really wants in his deepest, deepest, I would argue darkest desires is to be left alone. That's all he really, really wants. And he has built an elaborate construct 
around that that involves him, uh, you know, in an industry that is all about look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he has made himself, you know, a, a comedy bully therein so he can grab the center of attention, even if he doesn't have it, even if he doesn't have the center stage, yep. he will grab it. Yep. Um, and he will. He's learned to to monologue um uh, essentially until someone stop tells him to stop and he <laughs> and, wow. and no I'm the kettle you must be the pot but i was saying that indeed john that is all not who you really are right that's why it's not easy to be john pelkey because he lives in a state of cognitive dissonance uh because in his real true desire he wants to be curled up with a book with no one around him maybe a dog oh yeah more than yeah, likely a dog and and that's it. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we're our producer's telling us to move on. So, but yeah. we, we should perhaps move on. But that, that is very true. to Matthew why uh, you know he's well. You know, and, he is who he is. And I'm questioning the uh, the wisdom of uh, opening that sort of thing up and saying to the man who may actually be able to present me with work at some point, I don't really want to be around people. So. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, and anyone that spends a, a good amount of time with you, though, John, knows that that's you know that's yeah. really who you are. Well, and people you, don't want to be you around. Don't care me. for people, and, and people, people don't care, care for me. you. <laughs> and it's been it's been a fifty plus year uh, uh, trek to find out what came first. Did people dislike me first, yeah. or did I dislike them first? And frankly, at this point, it's a push. I think. Yeah, it's an age old question, and I don't think it'll ever be solved. All right, you know, it's not an age old question. People love trivia. People like to prove that they know stuff. So, All right, uh, Jeff. So here I go. I'm going to do this. So so stay on this screen. Sorry, we're, we're getting there, folks. Can I just let everybody know we're doing a progressive trivia, and you're going to hear some behind-the-scenes technical things because we're trying to navigate the technical world, which isn't good for Mark and I at all. But uh, we're going to try to do this. Progressive trivia with visual support. All right. So here it is. Look at this. Looking for a Major League Baseball player. Okay, now now watch the screen, John. You got to watch the screen. All right, watch it. First, there's that. Oh my gosh, it's a slide. Then there's that. It's flying in. And look at this. See, look at that. I figured all that out. All right, all right. Here we go. I played 16 years in Major League Baseball. My career numbers are 298 batting average, 2400 plus hits, 1400 plus RBI, 380 plus home runs. Played with Tim McCarver and Juan Marichal. Thought you'd enjoy wow. that. Wow! Thought you'd enjoy the McCarver Marichal joke. Uh, excuse me, too. me clue. It's not a joke. It's a clue. But, it's, <laughs> but if you think it's going to help you figure out who this guy is, then it is a joke. Trust me, that's a throw-off, as they always are. Uh, but it always brings up good conversation. Finally, finished top five in MVP voting six times. Yeah, that's significant. No doubt about it. Very significant. Terrific ball player. Again, looking for Major League Baseball player, past and present. One more time, quickly. 16 seasons in the majors, career 298, batting average 2,400-plus hits, 380-plus home runs, 1,400-plus RBI, played with Tim McCarver and, speaking of people who like to monologue, and Juan Marichal, and finished in the top five for MVP six times. All right, let's jump into the discussion. And I think uh, all frivolity aside, I think yesterday I had maybe one of the saddest moments that I've had throughout this uh, pandemic uh, that involves sports, and that is when baseball announced that uh, minor league baseball is done. There will be no minor league baseball this year. It's sad on so many accounts. It's how many jobs, uh, thousands of minor league baseball, I think 176 teams in the minor league spread over 15 leagues, Mark. Um, 
but it's uh, it also is going to spell the end for some of these teams. Baseball has a rule. I believe there the minimum number of minor league teams, uh, and Lenny, it is not Will Clark. The, the minimum number sits at 160 right now. As I mentioned, I believe there are 176 teams. They've already talked about dropping that to a minimum of 120 because there are already teams that were struggling. This is going to hurt more teams, Mark, and I think it really, really um, – it's really going to be detrimental to baseball moving forward. Well, as they mentioned to players, to fans, to everyone that are reading their um, their news yesterday, the announcement, uh, they make all of their money via the gate. Right. They didn't have they, a choice in this. They don't make television revenue. They don't have multiple platforms where people are watching their games and paying money for those subscription services or whatever it is. It's all gate. And if there's no one coming, then that's it. Now, on the macro level, you wonder uh, why some of these teams can't just kind of float them during this particular time. But right. uh, it doesn't you know, it doesn't really work that way. And I think a lot of these teams are, are pretty strapped. You know, they don't. It's it's the in the world of high finance in the world of billionaires, you know, oftentimes a lot of their a, a lot of their assets are highly leveraged. And if there's not a continual cash flow, you know, they just chuck them. Yeah. And um, a minor league. I don't know what baseball is going to do if it's really a serious problem and say half of the teams go away or even a third of the teams go away. But, um, yeah, it's they were in a rock and a hard place. If you don't have people, you don't have it. You don't have a minor league team. And they've talked about it as well, uh, depending on the situation with the vaccine. And again, we have to always throw these caveats out there. They're talking about the 2021 season in minor league baseball um, being something that, that they're concerned about. Because if there isn't a vaccine in place, people will still be reticent to go out and uh, and get together in groups. And I think, you know, minor league baseball is to me, minor league hockey as well. Those are two of your most economical sports experiences and i think for bang for your buck you get a lot of bang for your buck when you when you go to minor league games um and it would be a, it would be a shame to see those go away and and because there are there are areas of the country mark where minor league baseball is a big deal yeah and towns that you know that rely on those teams economically you know that's a major attraction in the town if you will so it's the um, the ramifications economically of this thing. I don't think are going to really be felt or understood for a long, long time. Uh, they're probably felt now in many, many ways. But in terms of the levels and the different streams and strata that this thing affects, it's not going to be fully understood for a long, long time. Uh, you know, if there's 20 million people out of work, 40 million people out of work, whatever it ends up being, we'll find out what those numbers are in a few days. Um, that doesn't begin to tell the story of what's happening because of this thing. No. Entire industries that are being cut off at the knees, including, oh, by the way, ours, John. Pelley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like you said, I don't think the ramifications will be felt for a while because you know, I, I saw some comments on stories about this where people said, well, maybe this will benefit college baseball and guys would have otherwise, you know, there'll be fewer, uh, there'll be less money in minor league, in the minor leagues. There'll be fewer uh, teams, clearly. But the problem with that is, Mark, college baseball is essentially a non-revenue producing sport. And uh, we've already seen 
universities shut down non-revenue sports, I think, and I don't want to get it wrong, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limit. I think it was the University of Cincinnati that did away with their soccer program earlier, uh, well, well uh, back late March, early April or May at the at the uh, at the uh, latest. But um, these baseball programs uh, in college you don't have it's not like football where everybody on that field is on full scholarship they have partial scholarships for a lot of those guys um they're usually only a handful of guys on any team on a full scholarship um a lot of them are just getting grant and aid money that they have to pay back so there's not going it's not as if all of a sudden guys who would have gone and played single a in uh, Ottumwa, iowa which is my favorite small town of, of all time radar o'reilly's hometown from mash um it's not as if they're going to now have the opportunity to go play college baseball on a scholarship and a lot of kids can't afford to pay for college. So I don't know where this is going to lead, but it really did make me sad. And, and the, again, the ramifications to your part point Mark of this, the ripple effect is uh, something that's going to go on for a long time. And we will probably be three, four years down the road before we can really look back and see what effect it had. But it's not going to be a good one, and I feel for all of those people who uh, who aren't going to have a minor league baseball season uh, to help them both financially and in their careers. Joe Connolly has written to us right now uh, saying, with the minor leagues shutting down, are, is Major League Baseball going to expand rosters? And I know all that was talked about in terms of uh, what's happening with the 60-game season. But I don't know officially if they've said yes or no to that uh, at, well, I at believe, this point. I believe there's like an active 60-player thing going on, pool that they can draw from. Um, I, you know, I fully, I will fully admit I haven't did, had taken the time to dive into the Dickens-like uh, book of rules that they put together for this 60-game uh, season. But um, – I, I think there is somewhat of an expansion of roster, but 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 really, that's helping out maybe a few double A guys, some triple A guys. For the most part, the majority of players that populate the minor leagues are not going to benefit from that. I, it looks like it's thirty. It's thirty to start the season, thirty players, and right. then it, and and then it actually shrinks. Believe it or not, to twenty six. I, I thought they had to give uh, give. Uh, I thought they had to give like a sixty player pool that they were going to be drawing from and then they were only allowed to there was a certain amount i, I wasn't uh, insinuating that 60 were available all the time but that uh they then had a, a you, just a pool to draw from because there's not going to be a minor league um and and it, it yes. wasn't surprising there, there's the 60 day pool and 30 players can be active as of the beginning of the season so okay. they can activate 30 which is more than they normally do in a normal season they can do that and then they have to activate they have to eventually shrink those players that are activated all right not uh, surprisingly down, i misread it <laughs> down down to 26 no i think you read it right i think it's 60 there is a pool that they can yeah. choose from but it's okay. 30 that they can activate Okay. They can't activate all sixty. All right, it is. Yeah, it it is okay. It is very very confusing, but they do. They have expanded that. I wanted to ask one more question, and I was going to fold this into potpourri, but let's go ahead and stay with it now. Um, one of the things that I was wondering, um, as we've seen that there are some major league players of note who have decided not to play. Um, there's also the issue in my mind of a couple of Nationals players, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you don't repeat, no. so why not take the season yeah. off? Just yeah, gosh. 
Yeah. Guess they guess they have a little Buster Posey in them. Is it, is it maybe that's? No. I'm just I'm just wondering. No, no, you no, know, no, not at all. They're not afraid of contact in, in the middle of the game. It's just you know a virus. Um, no, they're afraid of a virus. I'm wondering. I'm wondering how many teams barely touches people of their age and and, and fitness level. <laughs> I'm wondering how many teams do you think towards the uh, last. 15 games of the season, teams that are clearly not playoff bound. Um, how many of those teams do you think might dip down into their minor league pool and get some guys some playing time? I don't think that missing out on those last 15 games, I think there are a lot of veterans that m- might be up for that. If their team's not going to move on to the playoffs, um, unless it involves some sort of monetary uh Issues as as far as, and I don't know how you're going to do this for for this 60 game season. But if if guys if they've set up um, marks that they have to hit for uh, incentives and stuff like that, but I was just thinking some of these teams may the last 15 games you may see a lot of guys that you've not seen before. So what you're saying is, as opposed to just uh, making it a 40-man roster like they do in, in September in a normal season, they're going to take the 26 players that they're allowed to have after the first month activated, and they're just going to, out of that 60-player pool, shuffle in people that, you know, minor leaguers and right. just let other, just let the major leaguers, you know, go by the wayside. And, and I'm not sure the union w- would have too much of a problem with that in the sense that I don't that think I they think would. I think everyone still gets paid. They still right. get their prorated rate no matter how many games they play. Yeah, and I doubt and there's any incentive programs going. I, I don't know. Is there a prorated incentive? I, I think that would be very, very difficult to do because, you know, what would the tripwires be? Hit this many home runs. I, I guess it's possible, but I don't think they've reworked contracts to that point. I don't know. It's just uh, it's like everything else in this in this damn thing. It's pure speculation. But I think that's a very interesting point. If they're already out of it after game 30, which I'm sure a lot of teams may very well be. Why not? Why not start experimenting with uh, and, and given given some of your younger guys some uh, major league baseball playing experience that they normally necessarily wouldn't have had. Right. They may have been on a 40 man roster in September, but they wouldn't have had a chance to play every day, if you will. Right. And what the heck? I think I like that idea. And hopefully, well, I- there's some uh, innovation innovative kind of thinking uh, like like what you're doing right now, John Pelkey, out there amongst some of the Major League Baseball organizations. First of all, uh, we just got a uh, Fred Lynn guess is incorrect, but we have had the correct guess for our progressive we have. trivia. How about that? Tom Marino. Uh, Dead. Now, now uh, again. We've lost uh, John for a second here, so that's we're gonna a, have to vamp. a classic face that he that it's frozen on. By <laughs> the way, so uh. <laughs> Mark, you're gonna have to let me know because I've been thrown off. He's he's still going though. He hasn't gotten the stop sign. Coming back. There you go. You there got me. Goes. Yeah, yep. it's the. I have I have this thing on an Ethernet cable, but every now and then it uh, it, it it disconnects. So I put it back on the Wi-Fi. I'm assuming um, your question was, do we go through the rest of the clues now? Yeah, I, I don't remember how we do this because I think it, we do that. The visual stuff has thrown me off. Do we give the no, answer I, now? Do we, and I, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time on this visual stuff this time to get it right. So 
damn it, we are going to see the rest of the clues. All right. And we and we normally did that at the club as well. Remember that. We we normally did that at the club. We did. We did. I just wasn't sure because, you know, we try to break up the segments where we pretend to talk about sports where the with the segments where we do trivia that people can't win anything. And that's really the mission statement of After Further Review. We pretend to talk about things that we don't know much about, and we don't give you anything for your time and investment in our trivia. But, All you right, know. so here we go, Jeff. I'm going to do this thing. So uh, I can see it below sure there, we... so you don't you don't have to tell me. Well, I'll see once it's once it's live, so you can just vamp, and when I see it go live, I can put it up. All right, here we go. Then, congratulations to Tom Marino. He had the correct answer. Let's take a look at the clues, and we'll give you the answer. Starting with our first set of clues, once again, would be my hope. Yeah, I played 16 seasons in the majors. Career numbers: 298 batting average. 2,400-plus hits, 380-plus home runs, 1,400-plus RBI. Played with Tim McCarver and Juan Marichal. I finished in the top five of the MVP six times. I am an eight-time All-Star. <laughs> More pictures of Mark and I do not approve it anyway. Eight-time All-Star. Played my whole career for one team. Led the league in home runs three times and RBIs twice. And I am in the Hall of Fame. Next set of clues, final set of clues. Never won a World Series. There's a picture of Mark and I when we had jobs. Uh, <laughs> I did win one of those MVPs where I finished in the top five six times. I'm a member of one of the greatest outfields of all time. And I finished second to my teammate for Rookie of the Year. It was 1975, I believe. The answer is... Oh, boy. Hang on. Here we go. Hang Here on. It is. Here it's, we it's go. Not that guy. Neither and of those two. I am Jim Rice. Jim Rice, of course, in that outfield with Fred Lynn, who was the American League Rookie of the Year in 1975, and Dwight Evans. And uh, Mark always brought up, I, arguably, the one of the best outfields in Major League Baseball. You are, you are intimately involved with the 1975 World Series. Um, what are your feelings about that? Well, yeah, you have uh, your, your, you know, you had Carl Yastrzemski, by the way, in '75. You had Jim Rice. You had Freddie Lynn. You had Dwight Evans. That was a very deep and great outfield. There's no doubt about it. And um, yeah, we're gonna have a great time talking about uh, the Cincinnati Reds and the Big Red Machine, and indeed that 1975 season, and uh, obviously that World Series, which was. Uh, Epic. And and we remember some of the epic moments, but there were a lot of epic moments that we don't remember. That's what's yeah. so amazing about what ends up being the narrative when history is finally told, John. Yeah. It is uh, it is a fascinating thing. And we'll see that Friday night, two nights from now, when we see uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus. You know, what's the story? You know, who who writes your story? That's uh, that's key. And uh there was there's there's a lot going on, especially in Game Seven, which we all forget about. You know, right. we all forget. We we never remember the denouement. We never remember that. It's always the climax, and uh, we go on from there. But that was a outstanding, outstanding outfield. And you're right, Freddie Lynn got that not only uh, Rookie of the Year, but got an MVP. Yep. And uh, J- Jim Rice finished second, and Jim Rice is now in the Hall of Fame, and Freddie Lynn is not. Yep. No. Sadly, that Red Sox team could only get to one World Series. They ran into the buzzsaw that was the uh, Oakland A's that uh, we discussed in our last deep dive, uh, among other teams. At that point, um, you mean you mean the Red Sox um, running into the uh, Reds? 
No, I no, 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 no. I said they never got back to another World Series because they they at the, in the playoffs they'd struggled against the A's and and some other teams as well. So yeah, you tried to undercut me there, didn't you, Ferrer? You were just trying to you know. You, you, not, I'm not really sure what you're referring to, to tell you the truth, because we're talking mid '70s and those A's teams were maybe in the late '80s. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're talking. About. No, no, no. I'm talking about no. I'm talking about the 1975 Boston Red yes. Sox. The 1975 yes. is the only year that they got to the uh, World Series, but they also yes. lost to the A's in the playoffs. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? You're right. You got me on a mistake. They they actually beat the A's. <laughs> In 1975, I'm not trying to undercut yes, you. you. I'm tr- you are I trying to not, undercut it, it is, it is See, now this is all falling apart. This is why I don't want this on video. Because <laughs> it's just that's it. I'm I'm done. I'm we, not going to do. We, I'm not going to do the rest of the show. We've been told to stop. Well, I don't care. I don't stop. have to listen to anybody. Listen, my name on this show. Do what I want. I, I promise it wasn't personal, Johnny. In any case, uh, I do, and I'm sorry if I if I. If it looked like I undercut you, if if you took it that I undercut you, I do apologize for that. <laughs> they really ran into, and this is why I feel silly having said, having screwed that up, is because there was even a picture of me with an Orioles hat on. One of the problems it was in the American League East in the early yeah. 70s is oh, yeah. the Orioles were so good that it was tough for anybody to break in. But, yes, they did end the A's run in 1975, something I'm sure we'll discuss uh, in the deep dive. Uh, and I'm thrown off because I thought the Jim Rice one was a good one. And Tom Marino, uh, who, who who's now w- one for two for me, you know, wishing me a happy birthday. That's yeah. a hit. But uh, destroying my Jim Rice progressive trivia. Man. Well, the only good thing about this is uh, less time for Lenny to look it up on his phone. Because now we, 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 we now know that Lenny Rowe is generally pretty good at this. My goodness. <laughs> All right. So, now, see, it's two for two for me with Tommy because, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, not only did he did he win, and I think it's nice when our li- when our viewers and listeners win. Um, not only that, but, uh, you know, I was still allowed to show the rest of my progressive trivia you and all of the all the work, all the artwork I, 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 I you know, you, spent time on today. You love that stuff. You just love that. <sighs> it, it's it's silly. I know. Well, I, you're still my you're still my favorite progressive trivia uh, partner versus the other person who would do we doing this. And if 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 he were writing this progressive trivia, uh, the first clue would have been my name rhymes with Tim Dice. You know, because God forbid you test anybody. All right, let's move on. This is this is all gone sideways for me. I just not a problem. I'm coasting through this one because I know tomorrow. I know on Friday I don't have to do anything, and tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's my birthday, so I'm sort of off anyway at this point. Yeah, it's it's a great. You you got a great long weekend to look forward to, John Pelkey. Birthdays in the household and not having to do anything on Friday. All right, let's talk about some of the challenges that these uh, leagues uh, are um, coming face to face with before they open. Um, Let's start with we mentioned with Major League Baseball. You mentioned a couple of. Washington Nationals, including Ryan Zimmerman, have uh, have opted out of the season. Ian Desmond of the Colorado Rockies is among the, the folks who have uh, who've stepped away. To this point, Mark, most of the guys who have decided not to play have reasons outside of their own health. Um, there are uh, there are players whose wives are pregnant. Um there are there are people with some pre-existing conditions and people with family members with pre-existing conditions. 
Uh, I know you just poo-poo all of that. Uh, <laughs> certainly one of the upsides of having this on video is I can see when you just make the, the oh, really? That, really, your that, wife's pregnant. Jesus. That's, that's why that's you're not true. I'm not able to hide that. That's true because there's all kinds of that kind of stuff going on just with the podcast. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing any, anything. If people don't feel safe, if people have legitimate reasons not to play, that's fine. It does seem a little odd that um. And they're it's, not going to. We, we just say, you, you mentioned it before, but I just wanted for anybody listening. These guys are opting out without pay. This isn't a situation where they're getting you know a percentage. They are opting out without pay. They're just saying they're that's not true. comfortable. Yeah, they're not comfortable. And what it is, is if it's not their personal health, it's just, you know, normally when your wife is pregnant, that's no reason to not play an entire season. Maybe it is when she's giving birth, you you know, you miss a few games. But, um, you know, if she's pregnant, you know, by herself in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that's a little disconcerting for people. And I understand that people don't know how to react. People are erring on the side of caution. At least most people are erring on the side of caution in this thing. And um, I guess present company <laughs> accepted. Uh, but um, <clears throat> I think that that's understandable. You know, if, 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 if Ryan Zimmerman's wife is pregnant and it's in the middle of a pandemic and he just wants to be there with her during the right. middle of this pandemic, then that makes sense. I think all bets are off. I, I, I was obviously doing that for fun. But uh, it's, again, John, the ramifications of this thing we have yet to we have yet to uncover and we have yet to fully understand what the real ramifications are of this thing in terms of the sports world and in terms of uh you know many many other industries out there zimmerman has a three i think three month old child and his mother also who i believe lives with them is very immunocompromised. I read a write-up on it, and uh, it was it was very compelling that he, he got a guy at the end of his career. You know, he was almost going to be a utility well, I, guy. We're losing John again. He's coming back right now. There you go. Yeah, that's why I wanted to keep the Ethernet cable on. So, um, yeah, Zimmerman. To your point, Zimmerman's got a number of things going on that uh, that are a problem. But I, I just wonder if uh, what happens if we get. 10, 12% of guys who've decided they don't want to play. Is, 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 is there in your mind a number where they have to rethink this thing? Because as I was mentioning before, some teams are talking about wanting to have people in the stands, uh, socially distanced. Other teams are, uh, are, aren't saying that at this point. Um, obviously, this virus is peaking in different areas. That will probably change by the end of the month or August, it may be different places. So what do you, what do you see? I mean, I, I know this is an impossible question to ask, but what do you see moving forward? What are the numbers of people who, uh, who have to opt out before this becomes a huge issue? Well, I think there's a difference between opting out because you're infected and opting out for other reasons. I think if other players, if, if players at a 10 to 12% clip that you threw out there, are not playing because of a variety of reasons and not because they're getting sick or getting infected as a result of starting the season, then I think that has more of a chance of, of sustaining itself, the sport does. But to Adam Silver's point, if it's 10 to 12% of players that are testing positive because they're on the court together, 10, 15%, they're going to have to relook at the entire season because that's right. just not going to work because that's that 10 to 15% could easily expand and that's, 
that is they're not in the business of, you know, infecting a lot of their athletes. So right. and we should point out that the positive tests have run pretty much along the lines of of what we're seeing uh, nationwide, the percentages uh, of positive tests. You aren't seeing any more with these guys. But I just think, you know, as this thing continues and is as um, uh, unpredictable as it is, that you might have more and more guys. And, you know, some of these baseball guys, obviously some of them have generational money and they're not really worried about the, the, the cash uh, who just may say it's, it's still too much of a roll of the dice from what we know, because if you you throw in, here's the other thing too. If somebody does test positive, then the people who are around them have to be tested. They have to be isolated. So one player testing positive on a team doesn't necessarily mean that's just one player that's going to have to sit out games. Uh, In terms of basketball, that's for sure. Baseball may have a little bit of an easier time with it because they're all outside. They're going to be socially distant. You know, they're going to be sitting in the stands and in the dugout. They're, you know, on the field. They're not necessarily running into each other. It'll be really fun to see how close first basemen hold the runners on. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe they, maybe they just, you know, kind of bend those rules and say, yeah, just don't steal. Come on now. I'm just not going to come. I'm not going to hold you on first base because I don't want to get a six foot base. You have to six foot base and you have to have your foot on it at all times on either end of the six foot base but contact sports like the nfl like hockey like the nba uh that's going to be a a big difference especially with the nba and to some degree hockey obviously they're indoor sports as well so yeah you're right it there are so many questions and it's it's hello it's so interesting that you know, if we were to track, if we were to do a USA Today pie graph on this thing, on terms of our hopefulness and our willingness and our, you know, uh, where we stood percentage-wise in terms of what's going to happen, it's gone like this. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. Last week we were saying, okay, yeah, there's more cases, but maybe that means, you know, there, there'll be less deaths, less hospitalizations, the mortality rate's gone down. Maybe we can live with this thing. You know, a week later, it's like, ah, who knows? You know, they, it keeps going up. Hospitalizations are going up. And now, you know, what we thought was a lock at Disney with the NBA is not necessarily a lock. And it's um, it's a roller coaster that, y- y- you know, you have to be pretty, pretty well equipped emotionally to deal with because, you know, and or just you've learned in your life to never have any hopes or expectations and therefore nothing place to live, frankly. Yeah, it is. Actually, it is. It's a pretty good place. And then you can just go, OK, all right. All right. Well, I, I wasn't just, attached to that hope. I even think with baseball, though, you know, the, the idea, yes, guys aren't in as close contact, but it, it people are going to be close to one another on the field. You know, everybody's going to be close to the catcher. Uh, everybody has to come up to bat pitchers, notwithstanding. I mean, they're, 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 you will have meetings at the mound unless they, you know, they're allowing them to take their phones out there and they're just going to call each other from their positions to discuss things. Um, so if you have a, a positive test, you know, again, the people are out there are going, Oh, what if you know, yeah, well, may, may affect more than that. And if it's three or four games, you're talking large percentages of these seasons. And in, in the NBA, you're talking playoff games. So it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's certainly it, it's problematic. And I think Adam Silver, who, again, I think we both done a really terrific job is I, I, I appreciate his honesty in admitting when he was asked, you know, so is it full steam of head no matter what to Orlando? And he, he basically said, no, 
you can't do anything full steam ahead no matter what happens in this situation. Yeah, you, you have can. to be uh, fluid. You have to be fungible because otherwise you set yourself up for a disaster, frankly. Dexterous, as you said. Thank you, dexterous. Dexterous, you know. Very facile and dexterous and agile, and that's what they have. To, and that's what they have to be, and that's what they will be, and that's what Adam San, uh, Adam Sandler. That's interesting Adam Sandler news. News in today. Shocker in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you right now. Uh, you know, in ter- I will say this with Disney, which is uh, you know. One of our main employers, or certainly was one of used our main be. employers. Yes, used to be. Uh, I, changed my, were, I changed my profile. Worked for the Walt Disney Company. That's what it is. There it is. They were smart in uh, sort of waiting a month, letting you know, waiting to see how Universal did it. And Universal didn't get the kind of attendance that they thought they would. And they've projected that it's going to be low for a while, yeah. which is why, unfortunately, they had those layoffs. And uh, Disney has been smart sitting back, gathering all the data, gathering the data from Shanghai, and um, we'll see what kind of decision they make. It's um, it it does seem to be different here. It does seem to be different here than in other countries. And in, in in Western Europe, where they're even more on top of each other than they are generally in the United States outside of our big cities. You know, they have not only flattened the curve, but it's going down, and they're getting back to normal. And the only travel restrictions they have is for people from the United States. Right. And I don't know what the difference is. I really don't know what the difference is with our country. Hey, Brazil's also going through it. But, you know, obviously Asia has gotten some sort of handle on it. Western Europe, which was a mess, which was an absolute mess, has gotten some sort of handle on it. They're playing sports. You know, their EPL had their league. And um, in the great I don't know. Uh, the town of Leicester, uh down there there's been in that area so still dealing with the but you're right much greater you know is this is going to just continue one day and you know i'm not complete but i but after the last couple of days uh, we are into the again uh, staring that either Things aren't going to happen. We aren't going to see these seasons, or they're going to have to once again reassess how they go about all of this. So it's interesting. It's also interesting, uh, staying on this topic, that uh, the NFL Players Association has now uh, informed uh, the um, uh, agents for, for players that they need to fully educate them as to what can happen with this coronavirus, that it can also lead to other things. Um, and uh, I, I think we've all gotten, depending on where you go for your news, there, there are a lot of different stories out there. But uh, I think it was interesting the FLPA uh, said, hey, listen, you need to inform these guys. This is the information you need to give them. We need to make sure everyone uh, everyone knows that because uh, the NFL is sort of sound, does sort of sound like full speed ahead. And NFL, there are a number of NFL owners who are saying we want fans in the stadium. But I, I think we're lucky that they don't have to make these final decisions for a bit, Mark, because I think they may have to uh, uh, be, to, to your point, more dexterous in what they do than they think. 
Yeah, I'm having a little bit of a problem hearing you, John. You're kind of going in and out for me, unfortunately. They uh, they obviously are um, doing what they can to create a bubble at Disney, as some of our comments have pointed out, and uh, have a two-week incubation period and the like. But as we've seen before, um, that kind of thing, you know, can only go so far. Once you've taken that bubble away, once you've gone into – uh, you, you know, c- community sort of a, a community spread situation. We'll see what happens. It's it's a, a very, very talk about dexterous. The virus is dexterous and right. agile and facile. And we it's it's we're still behind it. They we're, still we're don't not know in front of it. We're still behind it. If you had it, can you carry it again? Can, you know, they still don't know about a lot of those things. But I just you know, I, I, I think um, optimism is not the trending thing right now for not, the, I, not at the moment i i think people are taking a wait and see attitude and uh i will uh i will be surprised if some other major changes don't take place between between now and then so uh, all right let's uh let's move on to uh to more exciting things happy bobby bonilla day first of july more than a decade after he played his last game i believe for, for the for the new york mets right oh, 2010 no. No, I, I mean, think it's I think it's two decades. Two de- excuse me, yes. more than two decades since he's played. Yeah. I think I said two thousand. Two thousand. Bobby Bonilla going to make a million or so dollars on uh, from from the Mets. Um, I, I just bring this up because I I made an enormous mistake when I was younger in not becoming a professional baseball player, and I would like to say for the record, I I, I see the error of my ways. Well, you're you're absolutely right. Especially, uh, I mean, Bobby Bonilla had a nice career as a player. There's no doubt sure about did. it. But he 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 has had a stellar career as a as a uh, collector of checks, a collector of checks. But not only that, just this this ability to make these uh, prescient deals with multiple clubs. It's not just the Mets, John. Right. He's getting five hundred grand, I think, from the Orioles as well, and so he's making a million five basically until he's seventy-two every single year. And the one uh, where it started with him with the Mets, and it's because there was one other trade. I think it was maybe uh, Brett Saberhagen or someone else had done one of these things prior to that. But at the time, the Mets didn't want to pay, di- didn't want to just buy out his six less than six million dollar contract. And so, because they were heavily invested in Bernie Madoff and knew they were going to get a huge payoff starting in 2011, which which is when this thing kicked in, um, they gave him this deal that doesn't expire until he's 72. I mean, I just think it is very, very just uh, be, beyond genius for Bobby Bonilla, even if he did have just kind of stumble into it. Well, I just think, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's that age old question. If you win the lottery, do you take the yearly payoff or do you take the lump sum and take the take the tax hit up front? Well, Bobby Bonilla decided to take the uh, the yearly payoff. And that's uh, obviously, to your point, very, very prescient. It also brings up teams in New York always seem to run into these sort of things because we've used the Allen Houston joke for years that Allen yeah. Houston was paid by the Knicks for decades after he was no longer uh, a player. Um, 
New Manny York. Ramirez is is collecting twenty four million from the Red Sox that will be paid through twenty twenty six. Brett Saberhagen was the first guy to do this, and Brett Saberhagen uh, still is receiving two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year from the Mets for twenty five years. Those began in two thousand four, and that was the inspiration for Bobby Bonilla. I think it's just the Mets because that other five hundred thousand is sort of a shared one with the Mets and the Orioles. To your point yesterday, John, the Mets. It's 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 not like they you know they represent all teams that really worry about the narrative and the PR that the fans are going to see. No, no, no. They're just the Mets, and they make bad decision after bad decision. Uh, although Bobby Bonilla wouldn't agree with that, and neither would Brett Saberhagen. Yeah, I, t- I tell you, I wouldn't. I would. That's the team I think I would least like to be uh, a general manager of the New York Mets. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, you're up against the most recognized sports entity in, arguably, in the United States. I mean, the New York Yankees have the most storied pro sports legacy. I think every, you know, everyone oh, yeah. would agree with that, without yeah. a doubt. So you're the, you know, you're the bastard stepchild there to start with, and then you just. Your brain trust is only one of those two words. It, it's a trust, but boy, the Wilpon family, full disclosure, went to college with one of them Wilpons. Uh, good guy. but uh, Which college? The University of Florida. One of the, one of the Wilpons was uh, a uh, student there when I was there and was friends with friends of mine. I was friends with all these uh, sports broadcasters. I, I, I really, my roommates, a um, couple of them were in broadcasting. I was not. The odd thing about all of that is the only one that's doing anything even remotely broadcast-wise yeah. right now is me. Yeah. The one guy who did not uh, do that. But, uh, yeah, the Mets, I, that's, that's, a pro, that's a really good question for down the line. What team would you most like to not run? You know, and it's interesting because it's the Mets. You know, when, the, when, the, when New York had three teams – New York, you know, the Yankees were still the, the the most storied franchise in all of sports in the United States, even back in the 50s, especially in the 50s and in the 60s. Uh, actually, I should say 40s and 30s and so forth. But you could kind of spread the wealth a little bit. It was between the Giants and the Dodgers, and they had a good enough rivalry that you wouldn't, you know, you just went out on an island by yourself trying to compete with this monolith. So I do feel bad for the Mets in that sense. They don't at least have a little... Uh, partner that they can bounce all of the grief yeah. and all of the angst off of they have to absorb it all of themselves and so on that level i uh you know i feel bad for them and i i i've always had a bit of a spot, soft spot for the for the new york mets believe it or not. i moved there in 82 they were atrocious george foster was playing out the string for them who uh is featured prominently by the way in the uh big red machine deep dive on friday and um and they were horrible. And then they, they get Davey Johnson in there in 84 and Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. And that, you know, I I loved that story and I loved that team. I have a soft spot for them, uh, but I know most people don't. Most people don't. No, and it, 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 but it's funny, too. If you think about the Mets, they've, they've actually been uh, in, in a certain respect when they first became <laughs> Me, lose me, but a horrible, horrible. 
the out. I feel strongly that we're getting what we're losing here is probably the best argument and the best information of all time. So I'm listening intently because I know there's got to be some great nuggets, but uh, it's going to be a terrible listen for the uh, listeners. Hopefully, John, when you when you come back, (laughs) you can remember everything you've just said, because, yes, we're waiting with bated breath about this, uh, you know, the defense of the New York baseball Mets. Am I back? Not me back. Not entirely. No, no, no. We're we're just getting bits and pieces from from uh, from John Pelkey, who ironically is connected via the Ethernet in a town that, uh, you know, has plenty of Wi-Fi (laughs) coverage, even if he doesn't have the Ethernet, plenty of coverage. I'm in the mountains of Vermont and everything seems to be fine here. So maybe it's my connection, Jeff, that is that is somehow affecting John. Is that possible? No, it's not. It's uh, we're all directly connected to I'd love to blame you, but we're directly connected to StreamYard. So it's uh, it's it's each of us on our own little island. So it's definitely it's definitely John. He could. uh he could potentially turn his video off, which may uh, use less bandwidth, and then we would get to hear these salient points. And uh, well, and and not only that, but he would be a lot more comfortable. I know. Without, I was. I was without I was, having to have a camera on him. Uh, but I would, I do want to ask you, uh, in terms of what uh, John was saying about uh, that optimism isn't at a premium right now for the the sports world. What do you feel? You know, was a bit of a bubble check. Do you do you are you optimistic? About the NHL, NBA, I, NFL, MLB? I, I am optimistic about it. I I do understand uh, the players themselves that that feel they, they don't feel comfortable playing. But what my optimistic side, my glass half full side of that is, I think we're going to get to see a lot of these prospects that maybe never would have gotten a chance, especially on teams that have depth at their position. Maybe they get the opportunity. And I mean, have you in all of history, you know, uh, Juan Soto, I think, is a good uh, a a good uh, example of this. He a guy breaks his leg, a position opens up and bam, Juan Soto gets an opportunity and he's a phenom now. How many of those guys don't get that shot? Because the guys stay healthy, this is an opportunity for a lot of kids who will want to play regardless of the uh, younger guys in great shape, probably less likely to have families with kids at home. Uh, they're going to get an opportunity to play. So a half glass, a glass half full in hockey, baseball, basketball, less of a case because they don't have as much of a minor league system set up to have these guys sitting there waiting for their opportunity. But uh, I, I'm optimistic that we'll get these seasons. They're going to play. It may not be the same guys we're used to seeing. It may not be the guys that we want to necessarily see. But there could be some great stories that come out of this, guys, that get an opportunity and take advantage of it. I think that's a very good point. What about the National Football League? What do you think of that? Are you optimistic about them having a normal full season, if you will? I, I am. I'm optimistic that by that time, by the time they roll everything out, I think they're going to have to roll out a little bit less normal than than usual. But I'm optimistic that we'll at least have a handle of what we need to do going forward to make people safe. So if it, if it is a social distancing, every fourth seat has a person in it. Families can come together and sit together. People that come together can sit together. I think they'll be able to, to, to manage that much better by the time football really is in the swing of things. 
So they're they're not they're not in as bad of a they're not in as much of a predicament as these other sports that are having to figure it out in the middle of or at the very beginning of their seasons. They're they're most likely, you know, sitting around a conference table right now saying, "Okay, this is happening with baseball. How do we figure this out? This is happening with hockey. How do we figure this out? And also they're an outside sport. So you're, you're, you're very few, very few of those teams are playing in an indoor facility. Even the indoor facilities that they are playing in are massive. It's like being outside. So I think, I think they're going to be in a good place. I, I, I really do. And they make the revenue off TV. Johnny, you're back. Oh, good. I can't you tell because when you said I was gone, I could still see me every now and then everything would drop out. But uh, so I have no I have no idea what what's happening. And I'd like to apologize to everyone. I feel uh, I feel bad because when I tried on the Ethernet cable, not working at all right now. And uh, when I'm on Wi-Fi, apparently I'm dropping out from time to time. So, so you were making a very prescient, poignant. Well, I was going to say, you know, the, the Mets the soft spot for the Mets it, when the Mets first uh, became an expansion team in 1960. I mean, they were just they were as bad a team as ever, ever played in Major League Baseball. They sure. outdrew the Yankees. At that point, who were still winning World Series. So I think there was a great deal of affection for the Mets very early on from a lot of, you know, because there were a lot of Yankee haters in New York. Fans of the Giants and the Dodgers hated the Yankees because they were there every year and they could, you know, barely. Brooklyn wins one. I think the Giants won won a series. They, you know, they they were these, the, the, the little kids on the block and their fans felt it from Yankee fans. So there was a lot of affection towards them, but somewhere after they were given, and this is my thing, Mark, this is why I've always said, you know, Miami Dolphin fans are always, you know, Oh my God, why has it been since the Nixon administration? And I always say, you got the perfect season, but there's a price to pay for that. You'll never ever win another championship again in your lifetime. So until everyone who can remember that, and hopefully there aren't too many Olivia de Havilland's out there who turned 104 today, um, hopefully. About that? Yeah, about no that. doubt. Uh, hopefully. We should get her on the show and ask her about Gone with a Wind. We really yeah, should. You know, gen- generally about. Uh, we're you uncomfortable know. with, or just that, <laughs> that's just the, the era with which you lived. I mean, honestly, you profited from this. Does it make you feel dirty? Does it? <laughs> Just answer the question, Olivia. That is your Just name. Answer Just the answer question. the question. Answer the question. But uh, with, with the Mets, it's like okay, we're going to give you we're going to give you the '69 Miracle Mets when you beat them, highly superior baseball team, and we're going to give you we're going to give you '86, um, and and the most dramatic World Series victory against you know the the perennial. Uh, uh, also rands that were the, the 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 Boston Red Sox but you're going to get the rest of the Mets uh as well you're going to get yeah. uh uh Bobby in the dugout with the fake mustache you're going to get you're still paying Bobby Bonilla and Brett Saberhagen both of whom I believe passed away years ago and still get paid by the Mets actually neither of those guys are gone so i think it's that it's my whole thing mark you you, you can't have everything no, I know you're you're very uh, you know you're very fair minded, very justice minded when it comes to that. It's your hundred blocks theory as well with yep. individuals. You you everyone gets a hundred blocks. You know, for the most part, everyone gets a hundred blocks if you're blocks. A, yep. a, a, re, a relatively healthy uh, person, and uh, it's just where they're it's just where they sit. So someone you know who's a, a genius in in one level may have eighty blocks on that part of their brain, 
but the rest of the way they live their life, they only have 20 blocks to use. So they're not necessarily a very balanced person. And then the most balanced, healthy people we know out there aren't necessarily, you know, superlative right. in any one thing. So uh, same principle applies with sports franchises. Uh, and, and then, of course, the, the real question, be- it, it begs this question, John, with the New York Yankees. With the New York Yankees, who have won 27 world championships, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. what is that payment? What is that Straight payback? to hell. Straight to hell. Oh, so this is – Do not pass, beyond, though, Do not beyond Just the, right the, to hell. Just, oh, just okay. immediately, final breath, lake of fire. That's, that's it. I mean, it's ju- there's no – white light at the end of the tunnel sure, no purgatory to kind there's of earn no your way out of it there's no river sticks it's just uh, you know see the hospital room of, of your demise and then lake of fire that's it <laughs> there's that's not there's not right. even there's not even a uh, a transition period no. not even, it doesn't even go black it goes no. immediately to Lake of Fire. No, it's just like you know, you know. Oh, I, I can, I can see the light. I can. You no, know, it's not a light. It's a Lake of Fire, and then that's it. You're gone. So that's it. That's you know, that's my. It's the only way I can see it because I mean uh-huh. they've been they've been given way too much. Yeah, yeah, because your theory kind of breaks down. I mean, it's the exception to the rule, right. clearly, but still, well, it's uh, a major exception. Bad. You think that's bad? <laughs> what are what are Boston sports fans in for? Well, maybe they prepaid their punishment. Well, but some of the younger ones, you know, the ones who the ones who came around, yeah, you know, in time one, for let's say at, le- at least for like the oldest would be the, the kind for Larry Bird and all of that, you know. Or, or I would say kids, you know, because really we've agreed that when you're ten years old, that's the optimum time to be a sports fan. Certainly to be a baseball right. fan, ten years old. So kids that were born in 1994 and above have. All they can remember in their sports viewing awareness uh, or sports following awareness is just massive, massive success. They're I'd say ninety-one. I'd say ninety-one because I'd go. Oh, to because of the Patriots. You're right. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. So you know, so people what, that are 30, 30 and below. So what's you know what's Lake of Fire? I mean, what's 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 the next step? The Yankees fans are standing on their shoulders as they're below the water in the lake of fire, oh, drowning in perpetuity. See, Hi, everyone. Here. Welcome to the lake of fire. I'm Satan. How are you? Nice to have you here. As you can see, those uh, over here in the lake of fire with just keeping their chin above the surface, those are New York Yankee fans. Some good news for them today. Nice to see you, Boston sports fans. E, they'll be standing on your shoulders from now on. Yes, you you in the back. That's right. You'll be crawling into the lake of fire, and the Yankee fans will be climbing on your back. Now, I don't understand. It seems like the Yankee fans have a lot more to pay for. I, again, again, what have you done for me lately? Raise your hand if you want to say something, sir. Um, All right, I'm raising my hand. I, I just like to ask. I would yeah. think that just you know we've a you know we've got six world Super Bowls. We've got three World Series. That's just nine. Don't ever question my decisions. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Every now and then, you know, old Satan comes through. I've been I I read my Dale Carnegie. I'm trying. I'm working hard. But uh, well, the whole thing is, uh, sir, and uh, and what is your name? And 
Tom. My name. I'm Tom yeah. from uh, from Worcester. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the number of things that your family didn't find out about before you passed, it's uh going to be rough for them uh reconciling all of that but uh let, let me let me just uh let me just answer it this way um certainly yankee fans uh did experience a lot of uh, a lot of success uh, more success really than you know red sox fans but when you take the totality of the celtics the bruins the patriots and the red sox just there was a lot of success there in a very short period of time so yeah you know, we're not saying that you're going to they're going to be standing on your shoulders uh, for eternity. I mean, you're going to be here for eternity. But um, for now, for now, we're going to let them uh, we're going to call this the uh, you know, this will be like the early 70s for the Yankees. Uh, they're going to get a little bit of a you know, they're, they're going to get a little relief for the early 70s periods and maybe and maybe, you know, through the 80s, actually, because those weren't good times for them. No. No, and and perhaps even in the uh, 2010s, the first decade they didn't win a world championship uh, since since the 1910s. So the Yankees, you know, may, maybe maybe they have something going for them. But you're saying it's only people that were born in 1991 or since. Yeah, 30 I mean, year olds, like if a 40, if, if someone's 50 and dies right now, and the Boston fan, they're not going to immediately go to Lake of Fire and be, you know, have you know their shoulders be used to uh, for Yankee fans to. To stand on is that they might stand a fighting chance uh, yeah. to, to to avoid that. It's, it's amazing how much you know about the afterlife, John. Okay. It's remarkable well, what you know about my knowledge of the afterlife. The so. beautiful thing is those Boston fans will be able to look past the Yankees that are standing on them and see their grandfathers and fathers in boats on the Lake of Fire because it's, they suffered yep. enough. Yeah, it's, that's so true. They should they should be able they should be able to be on the beach at the Lake of Fire. At some point. <laughs> just, just like maybe they're not even at the Lake of Fire. I mean, wh- why does everyone have to go there? That's that's what it is. That's what hell is a Lake of Fire. I mean, no, I know, but there's, there's plenty of Boston fans. Maybe that maybe that made it. You know, have you met a Boston fan? Well, it's a good point. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. All right. And who's lining the bottom of that lake? Cowboy fans. So we're all standing on them. Thankfully. All right. A couple more things I wanted to cover. This show has just gone off the rails with my not being heard. You pointing out my mistake with the A's early on. It's just uh, again, not going to be one of my favorite shows. I'm just going to say this does not make it into my uh, my favorite shows. But a uh, couple more things to c- cover that you could probably find some sort of mistake with me from. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, the uh, situation in Alabama where a mayor from the town. I, I want to get the town name right because it's a funky. I think it's Carbon Hill, uh, Alabama, which really if you Carbon Hill. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it just sounds like a. Well, anyway, uh, Carbon Hill Mayor Mark uh, Chambers had issue with uh, Coach Saban and the Crimson Tide coming out with uh, their pro Black Lives Matter video and their social justice stuff. And he uh, he took a lot of heat for what he did. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna delve into the a- actual things that he said because it's pretty disgusting. Um, but he ended up resigning as the mayor, and I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it was a good example of how sports can be used in a social justice way, Mark. Because again, there, I, I understand that there's free speech, and this man's allowed to say or do anything that he wants. That does not necessarily mean that there aren't consequences. And I think in in a place like Alabama. The fact that somebody had to resign due to issues of their uh, pushback against a social justice movement 
is a positive. And I think I, I think we have to we do have to say to people who say shut up and play and all of that. Sports sometimes drives social movements or at least is a big engine in a social movement. Certainly Jackie Robinson uh, comes to mind, as well as some other Jim Brown was very, very socially active. And I think this is just another uh, another indication that if uh, that I think it's important that people who have a platform take a position. And I think it's great to see. And, and again, this guy said some disgusting things. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's sorry. I'm sure, you know, perhaps in some way he's he's going to learn that what he said was was wrong and not just getting caught was wrong. Um, and I don't wish him to be, you know, I I don't want to see the pitchforks or anything. But if you're going to be a leader in a community and you do things like that and you you get called out. I I, I think it's a real positive, uh, any way you look at it. I, I mean, I do too. Certainly, it it seems like it's it's the obvious thing considering what he said and 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 people should look that up for themselves because it's almost just too uh ridiculous to to comment on but that's the point it's that there's no lead there there, there wasn't he didn't exhibit any leadership right. what leadership does is take the situation acknowledge how important the social movement is acknowledge the importance and the disgusting uh act that was committed to launch this social movement and also say like Keisha Lance bottoms in Atlanta also, you know, let's keep a lid on some of this. Let's keep it to protest. Let's, 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 you know, cut down on some of the violence. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting her because I don't want to be that typical white guy saying what should happen and what shouldn't happen. But again, there is a, there is a balance. There is a place in the middle of the road for something like this kind of protest to get the most light, to get the most effect, to get the most people's minds and hearts changed. And you don't do this by calling out it in a way that this guy did, which was despicable. What he said was despicable. It was. That's why I don't want to repeat I feel, it. I feel like I need to say it, but just look it up yourself. Right. It wasn't. And I think we've we've talked about this a lot on this show is that we we the three of us may have differing ideas about how uh, problems are solved, given our political uh, persuasions. Um, And if this guy had just come out and even complained about, you know, there I, I think there is no right side to the tearing down of statues. But there is an argument to be made to maybe put context on those statues and not tear them down. And there there are uh, a, a lot of issues as to how we should be spending uh, our tax dollars for uh, any, any any of these issues, social issues and stuff. You can argue about all of that. But w- when you just discount the movement completely and what this guy did and said some really reprehensible things about what should happen to people involved in that movement, I, I think exposing that, to your point, someone who shouldn't be a leader, they had to have two, I think, two members of actually the board of that county resigned first. And this guy tried to weather the situation. And I think it's I think it's good that he didn't weather, weather the situation. I hope my my fervent hope, because as I am a horrible, horrible human being, as we've talked about many, many times. But I do have hope, um, though, maybe not optimism that people like him can learn from their mistakes, because it just seems like. In this situation, you can't look at what that guy wrote and and think that that's appropriate in any way, unless that's a pretty deep seated thing in you. This is the problem: is that it, it starts from a protest that 
I would say 80% plus of the country legitimately was behind because of the video they saw of George Floyd. And they were legitimately behind peaceful protests that were saying, this is not good. We seem to have a disproportionate target on our back. And can we talk about this? Can we, can we, can we please bring this up again and not have it be politicized? And not have it be spun and not have this person's reaction lead to that person's reaction. And all of a sudden now we're talking about something completely different, which is what's happening right now. It's all about whether autonomous zones should exist or not. It's all about, you know, the violence in in cities since since all this since the, you know, coronavirus restrictions have been lifted a little bit and, and how it's much greater than last year. And it's all it's you know, it's become about let's get a lid on law and order and the and the arguments therein back and forth as opposed to why it started and and that's how wars you know that's how wars get going that's right. you know it's always about something else it's always about the reaction to the latest you know offense that has been out there it's never about what the initial problem was and this guy is a perfect example of that this mayor is a, a perfect example of that and i like the idea that they just excise him out that's yeah. it we're going to continue to look at what Nick Saban and that team did about a video with Black Lives Matter and celebrate that and just keep it to that. Excise this guy out. We can have these other discussions, which are very important, sure. about, you know, uh, civil unrest and, and lack of civil unrest, frankly, out there. So you and know, how you how you uh, how you uh, address problems of the past that need to be addressed and all of that sort of thing. I also think it's. Uh, it's interesting because there is no correct me if I'm wrong on this. There is no entity in the state of Alabama that wields more power than the Alabama football program. Oh, yeah. In the state of Alabama. I, I mean, I, I really think that that carries as much weight um, as anything. And uh, good. Good for these. Good for these guys for standing up uh, for what they believe is right. And good for the people that force this guy out. So hopefully he'll make some better choices. All right. Before we get out of here. Um, one more thing I want to talk about, and that is uh, the passing of the great Carl Reiner. I don't think there's any way for people of a certain age, and that age is from birth to Olivia de Havilland's 104 years, who did not come under some uh, of the influence, the comic influence of Carl Reiner, uh, a, a giant whose first television, first television uh, appearance was in 1948, and his last appearance in film or television uh, was actually a short film in 2019. 71 years. Yeah. 498 IMDb credits for uh, for Carl Reiner. He is television wise, entertainment wise, as giant a figure as anyone, I would argue. Yeah, I, I could say that, and, and his influence, of course, spans multiple generations as well. Uh, obviously, his son Rob Reiner, uh, his great friendship with Mel Brooks, uh, all of the uh, all of the stories about your show of shows with Sid Caesar, the Dick Van Dyke Show, and uh, all the movies that Carl Reiner directed. Uh, his influence. You're absolutely right. I mean, he was an actor, he was a writer, he was a producer, he was a director, he did it all. And um, it's a, of a and he generation was good at of guys. He was, yeah, good he was good and groundbreaking in all of it. Really, yeah. And and of a generation of folks that were born, you know, in the twenties, uh, 
um, a lot of a lot of these folks, Mel Brooks included, parents, you know, they're of Jewish heritage and their parents literally came from Kiev, the Ukraine. It's literally you can trace it back. And and, and this is I'm, I'm going to say this with just massive admiration, but you can trace it back to those pogroms that were conducted in Russia at the turn of the century. And these families had to endure that kind of thing, get out of there, go to America, and they have kids. And, you know, they're they're the Mel Brooks and the Carl Reiners of the world out there doing just remarkable, remarkable things. And um, 98 Carl Reiner years, not enough can be said about this guy. Um, No, and in an era, and in an era, you know, they came here, their parents came here in an era where the opportunities for Jewish people were limited. There, there were limited opportunities. Uh, great stories about one of the reasons that uh, the heads of the big studios in Hollywood were uh, uh, the Jewish extraction was because it was one of the few businesses where uh, people who were Jewish could move to the top of the ladder. And they created uh, the entertainment industry uh, as we know it. So just, yeah, the, the, the loss of Carl Reiner years ago, there was a, I think entertainment weekly did a, it, involving a lot of people from entertain uh, from the entertainment business, actors, producers, directors, studio heads argued that the Dick Van Dyke show was the, perhaps the best sitcom of all time. Yeah. Um, and it, and it would be hard to argue. It would be hard to argue against it because it really, it, it set a template um, and it was, it, and to this day, you can watch episodes of that and still laugh. And that's not, I think more so, and it seems less dated than, than an I Love Lucy or even some shows that came after. There, there's, there's no doubt about that. That is a, that is a show that truly holds up that you can watch it right now and say, okay, maybe it's a period piece because it's late fifties, early sixties. And these people all look like they're out of Mad Men or, or, you know, sort of a distant cousin of Mad Men. But the storylines, the interactions, the relationships, uh, the, the way the show was shot, uh, just phenomenal. And, and, and the, the deafness in which they went from a, a you know, a, a story that had some stakes in it to some degree to total farce to to poignancy and the actors that shown in that i mean it was you're absolutely right it's it's a it's a huge huge testament and you know carl reiner wasn't done when that thing was over he had another you know oh by the way 55 years yeah it's just crazy and you're right about the tentacles that go out rob reiner of course rob reiner was married to penny marshall who went on you know the 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 gary marshall line buck henry guys who were involved in putting together classic uh Classic sitcoms, they all owe a debt of gratitude, a gret of gratitude. That's perfect for perfect for this show. Um, my pre-birthday show where I get everything wrong. A gret of gratitude. Uh, there I did it again. A debt of gratitude. And I, I have not started drinking. I have not started drinking yet. I'm going to mm. remedy that in mid. I haven't had a couple of birthday pops, Mark. Maybe that's haven't the problem. Had- Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I do. Maybe I need to. All right. Anything else to wrap this thing up before we get out of here and I make uh, any more mistakes to to really uh, expedite your calling Dane Becker to take over as the co-host of this show? No, I'm just going to let people know that on Friday we are I am going to attempt to at least uh, meet the bar where John Pelkey set for the deep dive uh, when he did the dive on the Oakland A's. I'm going to do the big red machine, uh, obviously focusing on the years from 1970 to 19. 19- uh, 79, but really from 70 to 76 when they uh, swept the Yankees and uh, a focus on 1975. We're going to talk about 
uh, Cincinnati as a as a as a town, as a as a ball club, kind of the history of what happened to to get that to get that uh, conglomeration of people to be there in that certain time of history, and and how dominant they really were uh, during that decade, and how fun those personalities were because it's. You know, every team has a personality, John. It wasn't the Oakland A's. They were button. You know, Cincinnati was a buttoned-up team. They yeah. weren't allowed to have facial hair. Their their uniforms were white. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was professional. There oh, Sparky there. Anderson made comments about the way the A's looked. You know, you never oh, let yeah. my team look that way. Uh, you never, you know. It, so they were very much. Uh, it was the Oakland Raiders versus the Minnesota Vikings in 1976 in the NFL, too, where you really had as much as any any two teams that, that, that you could uh, that, that you could imagine the yin and yang, those reds of the big red machine and the of uh, the Oakland A's that uh, that we dove into a couple of weeks ago. And the personalities with, uh, you know, with Pete Rose, with Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan. You know, George Foster, Cesar Geronimo, Tony Perez, Dave Concepcion. It's it's a fat and and Sparky Anderson. Oh, you know, obviously a a major, major character from the get go. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for our deep dive. Big Red Machine coming up next episode. I have one question before we get out of here. Am I I think I'm right in this. The Cincinnati Reds are the oldest team in the National League. Am I correct? Well, they were one of the charter teams of the National League in 1876. They were one of the eight teams. However, to your point, and this is what we'll talk about, this little tease, they were the first professional baseball team. They were the first team to pay all of their players, and that was back in 1869. And those are facts that we know. Everything else about the origins of baseball, as you know, John, are kind of (laughs) shrouded in myth. No one knows. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, I do want to just I just I want to hold on to the myth that the the man who fired the first shots in defense of Fort Sumter in the Civil War was Abner Doubleday himself went on to went on to uh, invent baseball. Don't even that unfortunately not what really happened. Not really sure he was even in Fort Sumter. <laughs> not even sure there's there's no evidence that Abner Doubleday even ever saw a baseball game, though he does get credit for being the uh the man who invented. Or even saw Fort Sumter. I'm not even sure. Even not, you know, not even there to fight, but not even see. He'd never been there. He is never buried in it. Arlington, though. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. yes, they go all the way back, John. The Cincinnati all right. Reds. All right, we look forward to it. The deep dive is on Friday. I'd like to apologize again for my pre-birthday show. Just didn't seem like my best work. Happy birthday, I don't, John. I don't think it was, it was your fault. I think you were you were afflicted by technology, by bad yeah, technology. Yeah, I, I don't even think, even before that, I wasn't. You know, it's that, my, to, tomorrow's my birthday, the celebrations start tonight, so I'm the senior in high school, and it's June 1st. Like, finals are over. I, I mean, I get it, but I in the end, I blame myself, and I'll tell you why, because when, when I... When I uh, corrected you with yeah. your statement about the Red Sox. You were right. You, but you were right. I was right, and it, and it wasn't meant to be personal. It was just meant to clear clear the record. But as I would have done, too, you know, we're, we're sensitive, uh, ego-driven performers. <laughs> and I Apparently, I like to be it, the center of attention according to directors I've worked with. <laughs> and, and, and indeed, uh, I would have taken it personally as well. And then you cannot get rid of. Now it's in the back. Now it's the. Oh, I don't narrative. have a shooter's mentality. I lose that from no, time to time. You're right. Now, yeah. Now it's the backdrop. Now it's the backdrop, and that has then that informed the rest of your show. And now you compound it with technology that won't even allow you to be seen or heard. Right. right. 
I, I don't think it's as bad as you thought it was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, but again, no shooters mentality. If it, I, it, you, you are to be credited for coming up with this whole doing this on video idea, because if this had just been an audio, I would have stopped. I would have said, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to come back and do this in an hour. I need to get my stuff together. And then, you know, a couple pops later, I probably would have been a little smoother. So it was a straight up attack. What he says it was a straight up attack. Perfect. Oh my god. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm gonna go now. I got a couple of days, 48 hours to figure out how to uh, how to undermine your deep dive because you know it means that much to me, and my fragile ego is hurting right now. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, happy Ju- happy July, everybody. I hope you had a yeah. Bobby Bonilla like day here on um, July 1st. Uh, we will be back on Friday with Mark's deep dive into the Big Red Machine. That's going to be a lot of fun. So for Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferrer, I'm John Pelkey. We will see you on Friday, unless my connection's not working well, then who knows what's going to happen. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.